in occasions like this, on a Sunday afternoon, Sunday morning, or whenever it is, things change, don't they? You know, there's a reason why we come together, and rather than do worship or do our Christian walk alone, rather than do it just individually at, at home, because there's something powerful, isn't there, about coming together, otherwise why would we do it? There's been some research done over the years on what actually happens to people when they sing together. I know worship isn't just singing, right? But we're just thinking about singing here for a moment. What happens when people sing? Your heartbeats synchronize together. Did you know that? It's like a guided breathing exercise. So your heartbeat goes up and down at the same time. Isn't that amazing? Did you know that? No. So, you know, that's what happens. That's what happens. Now, God's designed it that way, hasn't he? Because he doesn't want us just to worship individually. He does want us to worship individually, and that's so important, right? But he also wants us to worship together. And I'm going to be speaking about that in just a moment. We're God's body. We're God's people. We're God's temple of the Holy Spirit. And he wants us to be with one heart, not just physically, but spiritually for him, to be on the same page with each other and with him. And uh, in the book of Ephesians, it's one of my favorite books in the whole Bible. It's called the letter by Paul to the Ephesian church, speaking to them particularly about what is the church? You know, what are we? What are we called to be? And it's one of the most kind of theologically rich texts of the whole Bible. It really feels like there's so much gold in there in such a short uh, area of scripture. And really, Paul right from the start lets them know, the Ephesian church know, of course, by reading it, we know this as well, that we're one body growing up in maturity in him. And Jesus didn't come simply to start a religion or a society club. He came to call a people, didn't he? He came to call you and I to be his people, to be the ones who represent him physically. You know, Jesus ascended to heaven Right now, we are physically his body on the earth. Isn't that amazing? We can live our Christian life in a solo way. You know, half the people in the UK who call themselves Christians don't go to church. In fact, that's actually increased since COVID. So more than half the people who are maybe genuine Christians, I know it's not always hard to tell, but over half don't go to any kind of church at all. I meet people all the time saying, I don't really need church. I just, I could just go and listen to Stephen Furtick at home and listen to Hillsong and just have a great time. You know, or whatever they want to do. Someone's telling him about, hey, <laughs> which one, Hillsong or Stephen Furtick? But you know, there's something about coming together, isn't there? Sharing in commonality. Not just doing it individually. You can try, but God, you will not experience the fullness of the Christian walk if you do that. God's designed it that way. So in Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to read it in a moment. Chapter 5, verse 15. This is when Paul talks about particularly the area of worship. He talks about many different things about what it means to be the body of Christ, to live holy lives, to live separate lives, to have a family life that's holy unto God. But then he talks about the corporate together gathering that we're in today. And he says these words Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery or sinful indulgence. 
but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another our reverence for Christ. It's Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 21. This is a really inspiring part of the Bible. There are things that God expects us to be doing in, on an individual basis, on a family basis, but in a corporate setting as well, in terms of the believers that come together. And it's interesting, when he, just before he talks about this area of singing to one another and worshipping together, he actually speaks about making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Because we live in a time where there are those of evil intent who would try and shut down the church or try and shut down anything of good simply because they can. And he says, don't be unwise, but be wise. Remember to make the most of the time you've got. I don't know about you, but sometimes at the moment, especially since lockdown, especially as the year's gone on, things have got busy, haven't they? It feels like life has just got so busy. And you get to the end of your week and a Sunday and a Sunday afternoon, because that's when we're meeting now, and you think, oh, do I have time to go to that? Like, can I really fit that in? You know, is that so convenient for me? But God, when speaking about worship, says, make the best use of your time. And one of the best ways you can make use of your time is to come together and worship. But it's sometimes contrary to what we think, because we're often so individualistic, aren't we? It's often about just what I need to get through, my family, this and the other. But if you're missing from your collective, if you're, if you're missing from that arena, that area, that, that collective, where you are called to be, your spiritual family, you'll feel the lack, and others will feel the lack as well because you weren't there. Because we're all, we've all got a part to play. We've all got something to bring into the family that we're called into. You know that if you go and you come to worship, and you hear the word of God, you're going to come away stronger. You're going to come away with an impartation of not only the Word of God, but also the Spirit of God working on your heart as well. When it says, discern what the will of the Lord is, it's hard to discern what the will of the Lord is, unless you're in His Word, unless you are with other believers, unless you are in an environment where prophetic worship is happening, not just prophetic worship, but prophecy in general. Because... The Spirit of God can speak to you, but often, I don't know if anyone's ever found this, the Spirit often speaks to you through other people. That one phrase in the worship, that one statement in the Word, that one encouragement that you had at the end of the service, that the other person may not have thought it was very significant, but to you it is exactly what you needed to hear. And if you hadn't come, you, would have, you wouldn't have heard it. And we can't take these things for granted. I know we have lots of Christian friends who have no involvement in any church whatsoever. And I can just see them in terms of their faith. And even their life, even their family, just seems to be dwindling away in terms of the light. Yet those who are involved healthily in the life of the church, seem to, it, it seems to be picking up for them and going in a different direction. Paul says there's one body with one spirit, there's one body with one hope, one Lord. There's one faith, there's one baptism, there's one God and Father of all. This is early on in Ephesians chapter 5. We're called to unity. We're called to be holy, but we're called to be unified 
as well. And you know, when we talk about corporate worship, I know people don't like the word corporate because they think of corporations, greedy corporations. But the word corporate means of the body. And uh, when we're in an atmosphere of worship and we're together and unify, the Bible says that where there is unity, God commands a blessing. You know, in the day of Pentecost, they were unified of one mind, one accord. And that's when the Holy Spirit was poured out. So we can't miss those things. We can't miss the fact that God's asked us, he's called us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We've spoken recently about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It means to be influenced by the Holy Spirit, to be guided, to be prompted, to be full of the empowerment, the energy of the Holy Spirit. And you can do that by yourself. My goodness, isn't it something bad to do it with other people, amen? Where there is a blessing of God, where there is unity, God commands a blessing. And it says here, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord. So the thing is about worship is that we bring the content of our worship with us to church. See, sometimes we go to church to maybe make us feel a certain way or to kind of warm us up. But I see so many times in the New Testament that it says, let the, let the word of Christ richly dwell in you and sing to one another. One of you comes with a psalm, one of you comes with a hymn. There's many times in the scripture it says things like this. So we come, and God's already put something within us, or you can stir something whilst you're in this environment to speak or to share with one another. And that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit, to let the Holy Spirit influence you to be a vessel for him for the purposes he's got. That is a simple explanation of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's more to it. But you come with the content. Sometimes, it's interesting if I've ever led worship in big or small settings, how many people are just staring at you in a worship service? I'm like, just worship, just sing. You know, like, people can just stare at you. I'm like, why are you here? You just stare at me. It sounds a bit odd to say that, but if you ever lead worship, you know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> you see, we come, I, I remember once, I remember a guy in a worship event once, uh, it, was, it wasn't a small one, it was smaller than this, really. And he came and he stopped and then he sat at the back and I said, are you okay? And he said, yeah, I just wasn't feeling it today. I'm like, when was it about making someone, the front, the people, ministry, feel, make you feel a certain way? Do you know what I'm saying? Anyone who's here to help you worship is an additional blessing to the heart of worship you should already have, if I'm making sense. So, you can come with a, you can come and say, you know what, maybe I wasn't feeling it today, but you must always be singing making melodies to the Lord in your heart. You know, I think Len shared it with me that Sunday is often the, the overflow of the week you've already had, right? And you come and you've already been experiencing God all week, but then you come to an environment where it infuses with the spiritual blessings of other people, and that's the way it's meant to be. And sometimes life can be hard and it's not been a great week, but still, nonetheless, no matter how you feel, good or bad, the command principle applies, sing and make melody to the Lord. You know, if you're feeling low, if you're feeling like you're defeated, you know, if you feel like, I'm not worthy to just sing to God. God hasn't changed his mind about you. He still expects you, he still requests you to worship him. It's funny, actually, when you read the scripture, God never says, worship me. If you look for those words, worship me, he never says those things. There's a few, there's a few places where it says, when God prophesies that you will worship me in this place and so on. 
But God never demands it. Jesus said in John 4, God is looking for, for worshippers in spirit and truth. But it's us who, are, who encourage each other. Come on, let us, come let us worship the Lord. Or you tell yourself, or bless the Lord, on oh my soul. And that's why the Psalms help you, they help us, and they help the early church to engage in worship. The different Psalms have different categories. There's Psalms, hymns, there's spiritual songs, there's different categories of Psalms, the middle book of the Bible, the book of praises, the book of Psalms. But also we can have our own hymns as well. A hymn doesn't mean an old song, by the way, you know, when someone says a hymn. A hymn doesn't necessarily mean a traditional song. Someone says, someone said to me once, oh, it says in the Bible we should sing hymns. I'm like, it does say we should sing hymns. But it, a hymn is, doesn't mean an old song, because every song is new when you write it, does that make sense? So, a hymn, the word hymn is actually the word understanding, or truth. So, you're singing the truths of God. Psalms is the praises of God, that's what it means. Hymns is the truths of God. For example, like Philippians chapter 2, where there's that great hymn written by Paul, where it says, you know, who in very nature God, Jesus, who was in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. And then it goes on to say how, after his resurrection, that God exalted him, and every knee will bow and every tongue will That is a hymn of the early church. There's others in the New Testament as well. They're called doxologies. And uh, they speak, they declare the truths of the gospel to you. You know, sometimes when you see the words of the gospel, you something, especially some great, really well-written hymns or contemporary songs, they can just really hit you, can't they, with the truth. And it's like it accelerates, it's like Paul's petrol on the worship that's already within you. And then there's also spiritual songs as well. The word spiritual songs means songs breathed of the spirit. So they can be songs in the moment that God can inspire. There are psalms in the Bible that are classed as spiritual songs. But nonetheless, if you read 1 Corinthians 14, Paul speaks about how he will pray with his mind and pray with his spirit. So speaking in tongues or spirit-led prayer. And then he says, I will sing with the understanding, I will sing with my mind, but I will also sing with the spirit as well. And so you can, in the same way God can influence you uh, to speak words, to prophesy, he can also influence you to sing words as well, nonetheless. And the first time I really remember anyone doing this in a way that really impacted me, it wasn't even for me, it was, I was at a, a, a helping at a youth event and someone on the stage started singing over this girl. I think she was actually in her congregation, but the girl was like about 14 years old. And the woman's just singing this song over this girl. I don't even know what the words were anymore. She's like, it's gonna be all right, over this girl. I can't remember what it was, but it was like, wow, and the Holy Spirit was all over it. And this girl was crying, and I think I was crying, and everyone was crying, and it was like, that's a spiritual song. That's a song of the Spirit. That's like a now word song. And uh, I don't know if anyone was, well, a few of you were here about a month ago on the stage, but I gave a message, and then at the end of the message, it's like God took it a completely different direction. And I was on the stage, we were just praying, weren't we? I think half of the room was here for this. And I start hearing this. Now, I don't think anyone was making the noise. In fact, it was almost like a sound within. And I hear this. And I'm like, what is this? 
and it doesn't go away. So I'm like, well, I'm starting to pay attention then. And I, I say, Are you, is this you, God? I'm trying to discern. And I'm like, hmm. And I say, the video, you've probably seen the video for it. And I, I, I say, it sounds like the sound of marching. Probably no one knew what I was talking about at that point. And I start, and we start going, we're marching on. Remember that? And we start. And then Malcolm, Mal, then Malcolm has a line to sing. I don't know, he's like, we're taking the ground. And it was like turned into this big song, a song of the spirit. And it was prophetic. And afterwards, this song about being the army of God, about darkness being dismantled over the city. That's what it was about, spiritual warfare being spoken out in song and us declaring it. Someone here had a vision of uh, like a black blob being broken over the city. And someone who wasn't even in this meeting, who was supposed to be in that service that they had to go to some, something else, that this week had this vision of skyscrapers falling down. But he hadn't even been part of this, that environment. But isn't that amazing? It's like the prophetic confirmation came of God breaking down spiritual strongholds through song. I know that some of that sounds a bit odd, but listen, it's all over the Bible. You know, we read earlier on Psalm 47, how God has ascended with shouts of joy, right? And uh, there's another scripture, there's many scriptures like this, but Second Chronicles chapter 20, uh, it says, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord God sent ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. So at the moment where Israel worships the Lord, the Lord sends angels, doesn't say it was people, it says he sent an ambush to literally destroy the forces that were coming to get them. And that's in a physical sense. But nonetheless, the battle that we fight is nonetheless real. Although it's in the spiritual realm, it's nonetheless real. And the principles still apply when we worship God, when we submit ourselves to God and resist the devil, he will flee. When God, when we worship God, he shows up and he defeats demons. You know, demons don't like the anointed atmosphere of the Holy Spirit. You know, so where there'd be an environment where they're tormenting someone, what happened to David with King Saul? David was tormented by a demon. And the only relief he ever had was when David worshipped the Lord near to him. Why? Because the presence of God would disrupt the activity of that demon. So think about that on a wider scale. I don't know about you, but when I walk around this area, okay, particularly this street here, I get this funny, horrible, hazy feeling. And I can have one word for it, and it's called it's witchcraft. Spirit of witchcraft. That's what the Lord's I've discerned it to be. And you know, it's going to be broken. Amen? We've declared it. People are trying to curse this church, the work of God, the work of the Holy Spirit, the prophetic. It's all here in both congregations. And the devil's going to fail because we're going to worship God. And the devil is going to flee. So if you're in a battle and you think, you know what? You're getting into that defeat mentality. You've got to worship God, even when you don't feel like it. It doesn't say worship God when you feel like it. It just says, sing and make melodies to the Lord in your heart always. Give him thanks always. You know, the way to turn a bad mood into a good mood is by being thankful. You know, the most successful people in business in the world, they get up and they're thankful for something every day. That's been studied. That's like a common thread. 
successful business people, they practiced thankfulness and gratitude and relational, uh, relational bridge building as well. That's all in the Word of God for us to win at life. Amen? So we need to shout to God. We need to sing to Him. And remember that actually it's sometimes foreign to us, especially if you're like really English like me, <laughs> because our churches, okay, the style of English churches, I'm telling uh, a lot of African people here who don't need to hear this, you know this already, right, is that it's very contemplative. I know I had a very contemplative service today, okay, but in general it's very contemplative and, and, and slow and, and I remember once as this worship leader guy I was with and he, he was from a very um, contemporary style, sorry, contemplative style of worship. So when I would be leading worship, and I'd be like, oh, I'm going to shout, shout praise to God today, he would actually tell me, like, I really struggle with all that kind of stuff. But it says in the Word of God, just shout, doesn't it? I think Jess said to me recently, sorry to put you on the spot, Jess, but she said, when we're going to go up and just shout, come on, let's praise the Lord, and have a worship band. And I'm like, I want a worship band. And next week, I'm going to be playing live worship on the keyboard. Um, but praise God, I want to see more musicians. We want to see that, right? It's something, there's something powerful about it. You know, it's not about the fact that we're making a loud noise. It's not about noise. It's about the sound, right? And it's about the sound you're sending out spiritually in the airway as well. One other scripture I'll read to you as I bring this in. Acts 16, 25. Paul and Silas were arrested for preaching the gospel. They're actually arrested for casting out a demon. That's actually why they're arrested, because they cast out a demon from someone who was fortune-telling this girl. And now they've disrupted the demonic atmosphere and the people, the town officials, arrest Paul and Silas and they're, they're in prison. It says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations and the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. And what's the message behind that? You sing when you don't feel like it, you worship when you don't feel like it. Imagine beaten, flogged, and left in a cellar, abandoned, probably not had any food, any water, can't sleep because you're probably in so much pain. What do you do in that environment of pain and suffering and persecution? You worship. And that was the purest form of worship, and heaven couldn't help but respond. And an angel, or the Holy Spirit, or both, showed up and brought deliverance to them. The doors were open, but also all the prisoners as well. You know, when you worship, when you're a worshiper, when you're someone who's always connected to God, in that healthy place of connection with God, you know that you can bring freedom and deliverance to the people around you as well. People need you to be that person. People need you to be that best version of yourself. Not down in the dumps, not stuck in the same old thing. People need you to be connected, to be anointed, because they need you to pull them up, Christians and non-Christians. That's why me as a pastor, I have to make sure my heart is right, that my mind is right, my motives are always right, because I know that people around me need me, but I'm no, I'm no more special than you are, because people need you to minister to them as well. It says to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know, we're all in this together, aren't we? We all love the Lord, and it's so because of that, we're on the same uh, level of each other, 
we have a connection with God equal to each other. And God wants us to become worshippers. We will sing, we will give thanks, and lift each other up and bring about a shift in the atmosphere that's around us. Because that's what we need, isn't it? Every church needs it. Every church can go to a different level. Every group of believers always more. There's always so much more that God wants to do. So we need to re-employ our tongue. We need to rethink what we're thinking, right? We need to get those things in order so there's power. So we're not putting a, a lid or a block on what God really wants to do. And it's by being a worshipper of God. Amen? Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Let's just take a moment to worship him as we bring this out. And I'll just let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do today. Similar, I'm not sure.